0: Hello, Freedom Fighters. Thank you for listening. This audio interview is brought to you by Open World Magazine, the ultimate guide for pursuing a life of adventure and passion and setting up a location-independent business that can support your dream lifestyle. Go check us out at openworldmag.com. Hello, and welcome to another entry in the Open World Podcast. I'm your host, Danny Flood, today I'd like to ask you a quick question. What do you think holds back most self-employed people from making the money that they really want, from reaching the other side where true financial abundance and freedom lies? What do you think it is? Is it marketing? Is it productivity? I would argue that it's none of these things. I would say that it's one thing and it comes down to sales. Most people who are entrepreneurs who want to be self-employed don't really know how to sell, how to sell well enough to Uh, really thrive and prosper. So that's why I invited uh, Melinda Chen. She's the owner of Women Making Big Sales onto the show today. She's helping people to find freedom by showing them how to go for big clients and close important deals that can dramatically expand their business. She has been selling to big companies around the world, globally, all over the world for the past seven years and created a location-independent lifestyle. She's made over 5,000 cold calls, made seven figures just from selling, and studied under some of the most seasoned sales professionals. And she's here to share with us how she's done this and share some simple tips that anyone can implement for their business. So she's gonna share a little bit about her journey selling to big clients, how she's landed these big clients, and how she's created a location-independent lifestyle where she's able to work from coffee shops making sales to big clients, uh, her strategies for winning big deals, and uh, how to sell to big clients anywhere in the world So I'm really excited for this. I think it's going to be a tour of force, this podcast, and I want to jump right in. So Melinda, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, Danny. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for the introduction.
0: So tell me a little bit about your backstory. Why did you choose to get into sales? Was this part of, uh, did you know that this is what you wanted to do since an early age?
1: Uh, well, I've always been in sales since I was 15, going through, going to trade shows with my family, uh, with my dad. I grew up in a very entrepreneurial family. So, um, I've always gone to trade shows. I've already done the translations because I'm Asian. So I've always done translations for my, fa- uh, for my dad. So I always knew that I wanted to get into business and probably in sales. And when I graduated from university, I was fortunate enough to get a pretty good job. Back then, when I just, you know, just graduated and to become to become an international sales manager for a leading language institution. So I thought it was interesting and I could do sales. Hopefully I get better and better at it. And most importantly, I thought, oh, my God, international. I mean, that means that I would have a chance to speak with people around the world and uh, that was back in two thousand and one, I was just graduating from uh, university, so I thought that would be interesting and uh, that's how I started
0: and that institution was berlitz right
1: yes that's okay. berlitz and then uh, and then I started uh, working with the uh, agents, basically sales agents around the world, South America and uh, asia Europe. And uh, and I started to to try to understand how to sell and how to promote our program to them and I remember at first I really didn't know anything about selling I mean these those sales agents they were seasoned sales agents they'd been in the business for 20 years and they would come to me and say, "You know listen Melinda, I'm not selling to you I'm not buying your stuff because your stuff sucks, you're too expensive and you know you know it's not good enough and blah 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 And I would always go back to my boss, which is Uh, who's he's the president of the company Berletts and uh, and I would talk about this I'm like oh I can't believe it you know this big sales agent from Brazil is complaining about our pricing our structure the student and uh, you know I mean we have to do something we have to change our product and he would just sit there calmly and said that you know Melinda you just have to know how to sell and I didn't understand like I was like I'm selling. This is exactly what I'm doing. I'm selling the product. And the agents are telling me that they're not buying this because of these reasons. And uh, six months into the job, finally, he gave in. He said, go, you know, why don't you go lower the price of our product and see how it goes? And uh, I was excited. I'm like. Perfect. You know, the, the same agents that I've been trying to convince or uh, trying to sell to, now I can go back to them and to tell them that we're lowering the price and uh, you guys must be excited and come buy my product. And in reality, is that I did not sell one single product after I lowered the price. And when I went back to my press, uh, my boss, that's when he told me that, you know, this is it, it's, it's got nothing to do with selling it's all it's got nothing to do with the product itself it's all about selling and that's when I realized that there's a lot to learn about selling and I started buying books i would uh weekends I would go to coffee shop and I would read all the, all the books I could find uh about selling and uh, and continue to do the cold calls i uh I had to do and uh after that uh, I got better at it and and, uh, and I got approached by another company, it's an Asian company, and they wanted me to represent them to sell to North America. And I said, yeah, sounds great. So I started selling, representing them and sell uh, in North America. It was doing well. And then we started selling to Europe and it was, uh, it was doing very well. And through word of mouth, I started working with other companies as well, and I started having a portfolio of, uh, of companies I represent. And uh, it's allowed me to travel, uh, to go to business, and really have um, a location-independent business.
0: That's great, Melinda. I think that sales is such a fascinating uh, kind of dance. You know, it's, it doesn't exactly work the way that you think it would. It's not like a to B to C to D, It, it sometimes it, it jumps all over the place, you know, like uh, if, if you were to lower your price, for example, I mean, that could even send the wrong message about you and about your product, right? Because it shows that you don't have enough respect for your product or the value that you're offering.
1: Yeah. Well, right. yes, definitely. That's, uh, that's it. And, uh, you know, selling, it's actually a lot about uh, first communicating the value you have with the, uh, with a with a client you have. So, and that's when that's, that's when I realized through my experiences that all your clients, all the clients you have, they are going to complain about pricing. And it's really a matter of how you represent yourself and how you find uh, the solution best suited for their situation. And that's how you can sell to people regardless of the price you have.
0: Yeah, so it's really fascinating. We've taken quite different paths, and um, I've kind of come to a lot of the same conclusions that you have as far as uh getting high value clients um that was key to creating my lifestyle business was not wasting time with uh the tire kickers and uh you know people that love to put you through the ringer and um you know just just as i I never worked for berlitz or any of these big companies but just as an entrepreneur like i realized Mm -hmm. how critical sales was and one of my favorite books was uh by brian tracy the art of closing the sale
1: yes i've read that book yes
0: Yeah, and just I I learned how important it is to uh, really stick up for yourself and and be persistent. And if you have something to value, you know, like it's your job to sell it almost.
1: Yes. I mean, it's, uh, I think just the fact of selling, I think we should just remove that selling and, but really just to really uh, present your solution to the people who has that most urgent need and be confident in terms of this is the product I'm presenting. And, uh, and I would love to partner with you and see if we can work with each other. And that's basically my approach is every time I, I, uh, meet with a, a potential client, I would align myself to, with uh, their needs. And in reality, it's regardless of any business relationship, it has to be a win-win situation. So it only makes sense for us as vendor-seller uh, versus buyer to find a common ground. And if we can find a common benefit or the same goal that we want to reach, then naturally we will want to uh, both benefit from it.
0: So I'm curious, what did you learn from your time at uh, Berlitz? Because I know they, they must have a you know, really good sales training program. Uh,
1: yes. Well, what I learned from Berlitz is that the first thing is Berlitz offer a very high quality and high value product. And that's what I learned. The first thing is that first thing is you want to sell to big clients. And you mentioned it before. I mean, you could have a lot of small clients, and especially these days, a lot of people are working with small clients, and they think that oh, smaller clients—they're easier to deal with, and they are, um, you know, they're easier to get, and they're not as intimidating. But the reality is that if you work with big clients and you have a product that's a big value. First thing is that the big clients, they tend to be more experienced. So that means that they have a lot more, uh they're more stable and they know exactly what they want. So it's actually a lot easier to maintain big clients and provide good customer service than working with small clients. So... um that's basically the biggest thing I learned from Berlitz is really go after those big clients. And over the years, I've been able to develop a sales process specifically targeting big clients because it's a very different process compared to talking to uh, small clients.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's so much easier to – well, I think the, the poor clients are actually the worst you know, because they want to uh, get, squeeze every dollar they can out of you. While Mm -hmm. some of the bigger clients are are a lot easier to work with and if you can just become indispensable to them, uh, then you can basically write your own paycheck.
1: Yeah. Well, that's the amazing thing is that um, with big clients, they are actually less price sensitive because they, a lot of them, they look at long-term relationship. So you're not going to be constantly, like you said, you know, constantly trying to find, you know, small clients and then for a couple of months, and then you look for a different project. But what I think a lot of people are making mistakes in is that uh, a lot of their communication is geared towards smaller clients, smaller clients and big clients, they look for different things. And big clients, a lot of big clients, the language and the communication you're providing has to be very precise, very business oriented, a lot of number driven. And uh, But if you're not specific in terms of the product you're selling or service you're selling and you're not very clear in terms of the solution, you will naturally attract small clients instead of big clients. So that's something a lot of people often make, uh, you know, the mistake they make.
0: Right, and a lot of people they try to wear too many hats and then they they undercharge, they undercut yes. themselves.
1: Yes. Yes, I mean as big clients uh, cuz we're in this age where there's so much information and uh, the people I've worked with, especially I work with a lot of entrepreneurs that want to satisfy everybody and they keep talking about all those wonderful services they could provide. But the reality is that if you want to target big clients, be precise with your language and your solution and sell one really valuable solution and do not sell everything else. Because the big clients, the reality is they're ready to de- they're ready to delete your email anytime. time. So um, if you're not being precise, you're not telling them exactly how you want to help them. They're probably just going to uh, move on with the next email.
0: Okay, so one we, we decided, or one we said that the language is really important, the words that you use, be very precise. Um, I think another thing that holds people back is maybe their psychology. Uh, maybe like, you know, a lot of people, they, when they're starting out or when they're running their business, they figure they go for the low-hanging fruit, or maybe that they're not somehow worth uh, charging more. How, how do people, how do you go and help people fix their psychology so that they feel like, um, like, I can go after these big clients?
1: Uh, Yes, I think that's a great question. Most people have the fear to go after big clients. And uh, I think the biggest reason why they have this fear is lack of knowledge. They do not know how to sell, especially sell to big clients. I mean, we always it's It's like doing everything in business when you do not know how to do one specific thing, you naturally will have the fear of uh, of doing that thing so I think the first thing is that. I want to tell people is it's actually very easy selling to big clients. It's very easy to get in front of them and connect with them. You just need to have the knowledge of it. And actually, I have a, I have a webinar that's just coming up about three strategies to simple strategies to sell to big clients. And it talks specifically about this. It's, you just need a plan. It's like anything. It's like a business plan. It's like trying to learn how to play piano. You just need the instruction and then you practice and you will naturally be able to sell to big clients. And in fact, I think that learning how to sell to big clients is probably one of the most important skills you need to have because it's a very transferable skill. And it's helped me to work with pretty much any industries I want to work with at working and, work and uh, any countries uh, because it's a skill that you can really apply to different companies, different countries, and different industries. So learning how to, scale, uh, learning how to sell to big clients would be the first step to overcome that fear.
0: Okay, so you have your uh, top three strategies to sell to uh, big businesses. Yes. Um, what are some of the, the strategies that you recommend? Can you share them with us?
1: Of course, I would be okay. happy to share them with you. <laughs> so that yes. we, can, we can
0: learn, so we can acquire this knowledge uh, that, that you, yes. Wise Master Yoda, wish to impart?
1: <laughs> well, it's <laughs> worked really well with me, so I would love to. I would be very happy to share these strategies. Um, sure. The first thing, and I've talked about it before, is the message, and I call it the uh, value proposition. And the first thing is, I mean, we all talk about the value proposition. I help X. Uh, do why so that they could uh, they could achieve certain things. You know, there's always that common formula. But what I would like to stress is that first thing is when you want to sell to a big client, is you need to really find a very urgent need and then one single need that this big clients mm-hmm. have, and uh, and then. Uh, the, uh, in the webinar, we also talked about how to find the client's need, the urgent need, before you even meet with them. But you find that urgent need and then you also find one thing you're really good at and uh, put the, put them together and make that really urgent value proposition. So um, just an example. Okay. Um, uh, uh, a female entrepreneur I was coaching for, she's, uh, she's a PR agent. And uh, she, it's a competitive world out there, and she's wanting to uh, sell to, to fashion companies. So she told me that, oh, yeah, I can provide great PR service so that people get great exposures and they can increase their sales. But in reality is that all the PR agents do that. So if you follow the traditional formula of value proposition, a lot of times you do not, first of all, you do not differentiate yourself from others, and you do not create any urgency. So I... I showed her how to find the client's pain before even meeting with the client. So we identified three clients and uh, we talk about, we try to find the pains they have. We discover their pains before even meeting with the client. And then she provided a, uh, a value proposition that's urgent and that's uh, that's unique. So what she came up with is that one client is was launching a new product line. And what she did is she's really connected with fashion among fashion blogs. So what she sent out to this specific client is that I know you have a new product line, a uh, product line that's just launched. Christmas season is coming up and I would love to get you connect with 30 fashion bloggers within 30 days. And this kind of message for the big clients, it's very clear, very precise, and they know exactly what she is offering. So instead of having a very vague statement, um, it's a kind of statement that would usually attract attention from big clients. And within 24 hours, she got a phone call from the founder herself to want to work with her because she is hitting the urgent need of the big client so that would be one strategy that uh that's worked really well for me and for my clients i love that so she's
0: being proactive she's creating an opportunity offering to do something for that company rather than waiting for an opportunity to come to her waiting for them to uh maybe put out uh, a job posting on their website she's actually creating a job for herself by saying look you have this need i'm i can help you do this uh are you interested
1: Exactly. I think a lot of people, especially when they try to sell to others, they try to make it too vague and uh, in general. But in reality is that it is a very competitive world out there. And uh, whatever you are doing, there will be a 100 other people doing similar things to what you're doing. So the key uh, the key thing is to first find what the ur- the urgent needs of your big clients, and really combine combine your superpower and be focused um, on your superpower and combine the two, then you can really grab that attention of the, of the big client. Because the big client, they need somebody to simplify their life because they're constantly going through meetings. People are constantly selling to them, pitching ideas, going into phone calls and conferences. In fact, the big clients are probably sitting in front of a computer and waiting for somebody to give them a simple solution. And that's how you get big clients' attention.
0: Excellent. So there's, there's two parts I want to take... Er- two ways I want to take this, but the first one is, um, so I, I've heard of what you're, you're talking about, what you're describing uh, as called the bandage email formula, uh, where, I think Scott Britton talks about this lifelong learner where uh, you find that need, you find that um, I don't want to say like sickness or illness that the, the client has, the potential client has, and then you provide the band-aid formula uh, in your email. So you say, look, you have this problem, uh, you know, where something's wrong with this or that, uh, or you need this, and I can come and help you do this and that 's yeah. really effective right
1: exactly actually I, I love a term that one person once said to me and thought that was just perfect you got to find your client 's neck bleeding uh, neck bleeding pain. And once you find it, and if you find the perfect bandage for it, you get their attention. But a lot of people is like, oh, well, that's great. I get the client's attention. But you also want to make sure that all the message afterwards uh, coincides with or uh, corresponds to the, the value you're providing.
0: I love that. Find the client's neck bleeding pain. So they're actively bleeding from this. Yeah. And they probably know it by looking in the mirror. Yes, uh, and, and you're coming in with this big bandage you have this gauze and ice perhaps and you're saying mm-hmm. here sit down don't worry about it I'm going to help you fix this
1: yeah, I think a lot Who of could uh, say no to that. <laughs> exactly. But I think a lot of people, the p- mistakes they make is that they go to this client and they say, this is how I'm going to fix it. I'm going to set up an appointment with you and then we're going to check it up. I'm going to make sure you're OK. And then we're going to do the follow up. We're going to maintain it. And that's why the solution becomes complicated. Just go up there and say, give me five, 10 minutes and I'll solve this problem for you. And that, would, that should be your initial contact with your big client. They're looking for a simple solution and no other, um, you know, how you achieve it and the kind of metrics you use to achieve it, the tools you use to achieve it. They do not want to hear that. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yes, exactly. But I think a lot of self-employed people and entrep- uh, freelancers, uh, they get caught up in all the technical stuff. So it's like, you know, yeah. here, we're going to build you a blog, we're going to uh, you know, create articles for you. We're going to do all this stuff for you. And it's like, well, I don't really care about that. You know, I have an objective here and this is what I need. Just give me what I need. Uh, exactly. Stop adding all these different services. And, you know, I, I learned this several years ago when I was running an agency that a great proposal starts with the problem statement and then the proposed solution. You know, but, yes. uh, but a lot of people will create proposals with that are bogged down in technical terms and legal terminology. And that's, that's really unattractive, I think, in these situations, right?
1: Exactly. I mean, it's extremely unattractive, but it's intri- extremely easy to get to that, uh, that uh, stage where you just want to explain all the wonderful things you do. And I understand that, you know, there are so many things you want to let Enjoy. your prospective Enjoy. clients know. You know, I am amazing because of all these great things I do. Uh, but in reality is that your client just wants somebody to be the leader, to be the problem solver, and within one sentence tell him and make him believe that uh, you can solve the problem for him. And that is, that's very powerful.
0: I love this. So we're getting to the second part of the, the question. Um, we talked about the, the problem that the prospect has in identifying that. Um, the, the next thing I want to ask is that proposed solution. Like you, you said that it's not about uh, saying, oh, these are all the things I've done, but we still need to wow them when we uh, create this proposed solution. And I just wrote a, a post about this a few days ago where Mm -hmm. I think I think it's really about showing that you're the most qualified person because it is very competitive. But you also have to show like a high level of competence, like Mm -hmm. like you're not only going to solve that problem, you're going to go above and beyond to allay all of their concerns and um, even help them find opportunities that they hadn't even realized. Right.
1: Yes. So so Uh, how how do you do that? Okay, well, um, yeah, it's, uh, it's not easy, but uh, it, what, what's worked really well for me is that, uh, first of all, I just want to talk about a lot of people, they're trying to wow their prospective client within that first email. And that's why it becomes so complicated for them to, uh, for the first contact, because they're thinking, wow, this is the first email I'm sending to this amazing client. Imagine, you know, if I could get this client, I would be able to grow my business by 100%, 200%. But there's that tremendous pressure to really wow the client within one single email. And I would differ. I would think that you should avoid putting all the pressure on one single email. So um, I created um, a term that I call 2-5 formula. So whenever I want to target one big client, I would have to make sure before even making any sales pitch or even directly contacting with that big client, one big client, I would have to have at least two soft contacts with this specific client. So um, soft contact would be referral which is the most powerful thing you got to make sure try to find people that can that can talk about you for you that can sell for you so find that person who would be willing to be your champion or um, soft contact would be you know social media contact you know um, have certain kind of connections with this person to over the internet so the the two the first two soft contacts are the contacts for the client to start to to know you not necessarily trust you, but at least they would know you so when you're about to do that official contact you 're not trying to do everything within that one single email you're not trying to make sure the client knows you, make sure that ca- client would trust you, make sure the client would understand exactly what you do because that's a lot of pressure put under uh, under one single email so um I would really focus on. Finding the person who would be willing to be the champion for your service. So before you meet with this client, they already heard people, other people talking about you. And that would be extremely powerful.
0: Yeah, that's great. It's really hard to approach these people. cold. do you ask for, um, you often ask for warm introductions because it's especially hard to get a foot in the door with influential people, especially the bigger companies.
1: Uh, yes, I've, uh, what I do is that uh, there are several ways to ask for referrals. In fact, I think I would rarely, I really conduct any direct selling uh, cold calls to my, uh, my decision maker, so my final big client. But the first thing I would always do is when I have one big client, the first thing I do is look for the peripherals, the other people who would influence this person's decision-making process. So it could be Other uh, service providers, if I'm targeting this big client, who else do they work with? Then I contact these people and start building the relationships. Or if I work with this, if I want to target this big client, uh, who works underneath them? Then I connect with these people. And the amazing thing about these is that, uh, the other people I'm trying to connect with, first of all, they're usually not necessarily the big client. So they're a lot more uh, willing to, to work with me and to see what I have to provide. And when I'm trying to provide value to them and build relationship with these other people, um, they, are, they would appreciate the value I'm providing and, uh, and be willing to, to make the introduction uh, when I'm ready to make my official pitch.
0: Okay, excellent. So um, I, I do a lot of this myself. You know, I'll, I'll kind of stalk people a little bit online where I'll, I'll follow them on Twitter. Um, Definitely, yes. I'll add them on Facebook and stuff, like kind of get them to know who I am, like know I exist uh, before I, I try to reach out to them. And um, when I do, I, I find that there's certain things that work really well. Like if I invite someone to be on my podcast, no one, almost no one ever says no to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but what what is your ask when you approach these people? Like you obviously don't want to overwhelm them with too much. Um, what are you trying to propose? Like just to get the conversation going.
1: Uh, one of the take, I mean, the companies I work with or the clients I work with, they're usually people from big corporations, and uh, they're VPs and uh, and uh, uh, directors, and uh, they make a lot of de- uh, business decisions. So usually, the way I do it is that. First of all, I try to make sure I establish a relationship with a referral partner or uh, somebody who would be willing to be the champion of my service. And once I establish a good relationship with a person, I would ask the person, is it OK for you to make that introduction with this final decision maker? If I feel that this is still going to be a longer sell, meaning that, you know, whatever I'm going to provide, the service I'm providing will take a little bit longer uh, uh it will be a take longer time to to make that decision um I would always propose very simple you know do you mind if we have a quick ten minutes phone call together or you know if if you could if you're located uh very close to your target client? Do you mind if we have a quick coffee together and to be able to make that uh make that introduction, but do not make it sound like too much commitment form from that big client and once i once they make that introduction usually i would also ask the uh, the champion or the person who's making the introduction to let them know my value proposition so that's really the big i know you have a this neck bleeding pain and that would be my solution so really Talk to the refer the the person who's making that introduction and said that you know this is my value proposition. Also get the feedback from them. Do you think that it's it's what this uh, this client is looking for? And get a feedback from them, and uh, and ask them to make that introduction. And from my experience is that if you're able to get a referral or get an introduction from somebody, um, you're eighty percent more likely to close a sale.
0: Excellent, great advice there. So maybe you could give me an example uh, as far as what you're selling now, and um, who exactly are you trying to connect with when you're looking for these okay. these big clients? And how do you find them? Um, you know, what what do you prioritize when you search for them?
1: Okay, um, I'm going to give uh, one one example. Is uh, I was trying to get. Uh, I was trying to get a big client that uh, that has a sporting goods company and uh, trying to get a client that's that's the president of the company and uh, when we look for the big, the final decision maker, there are some that's very visible on the internet, and, and uh, Danny, you probably have a uh, the influencer you work with. Most likely, they're quite uh, visible on social media, so it's easier for you to let's say or oh, do Twitter with them, or you know, Facebook interactions or LinkedIn interactions. But there's a this. Huge part of uh, of decision makers that do that are not visible on the internet, and usually it's the industries such as beverage industries, consumer goods industries, or a lot of uh, apparel manufacturing industries. The big decision makers they are not on the internet. They don't have LinkedIn page. Obviously, they're they don't have Facebook uh, page. And these kind of people they are a lot harder to to get in touch with. So what I did is that. I started looking around and looking at the contacts I have. And the first thing I always love to look at would be the sales representative within one industry, the sales reps. Because the good thing, amazing thing about sales rep is that they tend to know a lot of people, and they tend to know what's going on with the industry. So the specific industry I was looking at it was one uh, sporting goods uh, company, and uh, I know that there's one sales rep that just left that industry, but I've interacted with him before, and uh, and you know I decided I just sent him a message and say, can I have a quick phone call with you? You know, I just you know, is it possible for us to to talk about um, my project and to maybe get an update from you about what you've been up to within 30 minutes i got a list of whom i can make contact with and uh how i can contact with these people and all the competitors and all the inside scoop within the industry and he's also agreed to make an introduction to uh to to the final decision maker i was uh i, w- I was hoping to work with so it's the sales reps, usually I, I think they're amazing resources and uh, other service providers. So if you go to LinkedIn page, if you look at LinkedIn page, everybody's got a LinkedIn page, but a lot of people don't know how to use them, you know, especially a lot of people who are trying to do sales. They said, oh, I can just, you know, be part of the uh, sales navigators in LinkedIn and, uh, and they started sending spam messages to big clients but I don't think it's the best way to use LinkedIn. In fact, I would go into a LinkedIn page and really look at that client, the big client that I want to target and see who do they work with in terms of service provider. And you can get a lot of that information in terms of recommendations because a lot of times LinkedIn would allow you to do recommendations to see who's recommended this, comp- uh, this person or whom they recommend it to. So you will be able to find the service provider they work with and also whom they work as client and start, uh, start to do the research around that.
0: Okay, so I take it you're working with a pretty big partner when you're selling the, uh, these sporting goods products, uh, but could you give me an idea of, like, if you're a small business owner or an entrepreneur, um, how do you kind of create a product or service that would be acceptable for one of these bigger clients? Uh, because I know that you have to obviously be able to scale up and uh, provide a different kind of solution than you would with, like, working with another small business.
1: Um, I I think the most important thing is first, you've got to be very extremely focused in terms of what you do. Because if you are not focused in uh, in what you do, you are you could easily be replaced by, you know, I'm sure they already have similar partners they work with that uh, that's doing exactly what you're doing. So the first thing is that uh, we go back to understanding that neck bleeding pain your client is offering is having and try to find your superpower. One one thing that you do can really transform it. And that's just one single most important superpower you can do. And one example I was doing is that, uh, one example I could give is that I was, uh, I was coaching for a business coach, uh, business coach and her, she's very ambitious and she would like to target the fast growing startup companies. And these are the companies that are on the newspaper they get a lot of the media attention and uh, they got a lot of great investors and she would like to help them and it's it's you know it, it sounds daunting i mean she's by herself she's a business coach and uh how do you present your service to these companies that seem to be getting so much momentum and to be getting so uh so much buzz and how do you stand out So the first thing we went through the same process I did with all my other clients. The first thing is to really understand the pain the client is and the power, the amazing thing is that you got to really know the client's pain before you even meet with them. And, uh, And I mean, Danny, you might ask, you know, how do you know? How do you how do you do that? You know, if you don't even know uh, what the client's pain is. And uh, I asked her to to go on the LinkedIn side, and she did. We always focus on three companies, and she looked at one company, and she looked at the company's um, LinkedIn page, the CEO's LinkedIn page, and she saw that there is uh, the company repeatedly um, talk about the sales strategy. And the focus of the company is the sales, uh, the sales. And we talk, I talked a lot more about this during my webinar. Um, it's like on the LinkedIn page, when you look at LinkedIn page, people usually just look at the description of the company and the positions they have and, uh, you know, the degrees of connections. But it's very important to look closely as how your prospective client describe himself. Because more likely the way he, the, how he describes himself would be how he evaluate his other, his, uh, his client or his potential partners or his potential sell, his the people who are selling to them. So if you look at the client that talks about, you know, um, uh, saving efficiency, saving in efficiency by 30%, most likely that would be the focus of the client. And, uh, when we look at this, uh, business coach she found out that the client she was uh, she was targeting their focus was marketing so be- based on that she was able to because of she also had a sales background and she presented a pitch that targets the clients um, the cl- clients immediate pain and she also knew that because of fast-growing uh, companies they usually have a lot of growing pain in terms of managing a culture that has a lot of new people coming in and because of that she can provide a solution that's extremely targeted and not just saying, oh, I'm a business coach and I provide this. She was providing a solution before even meeting with a client. And that will allow you to, um, to get attention from your potential client because he, he realized that you're building that authority. You already built that authority by understanding his pain before he even describes it to you. So you don't have to be a big, cli- big, uh, big player to sell to big client, but you have to be a focused player to sell to big clients.
0: Yeah, that's a great tip there. So go on their LinkedIn and see what they're sharing on there to see what they're really occupied with, uh, what, what they're really focused on at the moment, right?
1: Uh, exactly. And then, uh, you know, you got to look very closely. What I would recommend is that you look at your target client, you look at, first of all, their general description, and that's usually how they evaluate themselves. Those are the numbers and business metrics they use to evaluate success. And then they always have a place where they describe their current position. The way they describe their current position will, uh, will most likely be the the business priorities they have right now. So what is their most important business goals right now? Usually that's what people put under their uh, positions. And I would also recommend you to, if you're targeting a CEO or client, uh, let's say president of a company, then look at the LinkedIn page of people who work under him. If you're trying to be a market, you're trying to help a company managing their social media, then Also look at social manager, social media manager's LinkedIn page and see how the person describes himself or herself. know what are their business priorities and most likely you'll be surprised a lot of times they use very similar languages and that's when you realize that maybe that's what they are focusing on and that's what they're targeting and at the same time if you're already building relationships from through referrals and through or through connections then you will be able to use what you discover and then go to the connection you have and say this is what I think is going on with the company what do you think do you think it makes sense do you think this is what the client is after And before, again, before meeting with a client, you already have a very close or very uh, keen understanding of the pain they're going through. So when you're making that proposition or making that first pitch, they feel like, wow, this person knows exactly what I'm, what I'm feeling, what I'm experiencing, or what's, uh, what's keeping me awake in the middle of the night.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So maybe I'm getting a little bit, I'm going to get a little bit technical here, but, um, I know that it's really important to also be able to kind of speak the same language as these big companies do because um, I'm thinking back, you know, maybe five, six years ago when I was doing uh, local marketing for, um, you know, geographically, like maybe small businesses. There was, Mm -hmm. uh, I had lunch with the CEO of a company called Covario and he was kind of doing Mm -hmm. the same thing, but he was doing enterprise level local marketing for uh, big companies like um, KFC or something, you know, they have like you know, 500 locations in the U.S. and they need to automate their marketing for all of these different locations. So, I guess what I'm getting at is, you know, like, how do I? I need to kind of create the right kind of product that will that I can will appeal to these people, and then I have to be able to present it in a way that is acceptable for them. Because if I come in with a bid that's too low, I mean, I'm going to get immediately rejected, for example, because, you know, they don't want to take a low bid because uh, if something goes wrong, you know, somebody's going to lose their job. Mm-hmm. They, they accept a low bid, so. I know that you have to be able to come in with, like, the right language and the right um, kind of service that you can offer them, right? Because Mm -hmm. I think that's probably something that would hold somebody like me back or, you know, someone who's a solopreneur or, uh, you know, maybe an entrepreneur with, like, three or four workers.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I think if you want to play the big game and uh, really grow your business, uh, another thing that I would recommend is that start growing your team. But I'm not talking about growing your team as start hiring people and then go after this client. It's that when you're trying to present to your client, you know you want to present something extremely simple solution. They feel like yo, you can solve their problem simply. But you know, at the you know, there's a lot. You also know that you need a big team to be able to solve their problem. So why don't you just try to find your center of influence and uh, find partners that could work with you together. So when you make that pitch, naturally, automatically, you're not just a solopreneur. You have a a team of, for example, if you're trying to sell uh, to a big company and help them with the entire marketing process. And you're thinking, oh, my God, I'm just a small guy, and then I'm trying to sell this client and say that, you know, give me all your marketing efforts, and I can take uh, all your marketing uh, budget, and I'll take care of it for you. And obviously, it sounds daunting, but if you could start, um, start finding other partners that you could work with, graphic designers and uh and social media managers and uh, you know, sales managers or um, copywriters and find a team of people who are willing to back you should this deal go through. And, and, uh, and then you will be able to present yourself as a team rather than just your, yourself and selling to, um, selling to this big client. And in reality, myself, even though when I'm selling to big companies, I'm still by myself. And a lot of times, I'm still by myself. I also have to sell my expertise when I'm trying to consult for big companies and when they want to expand to other uh, uh, other countries. So usually what I do is that I tell them I'm not just by myself. I have a team of experts behind me helping me accomplish this. And I'm more the project manager to make this happen. So I, I think no matter... You, whether you're a solopreneur or you're just one entrepreneur, you are. You can still leverage your connection and build a connection so that you will present yourself as a big, uh, as a team rather than just yourself, and provide more comprehensive, comprehensive service. And in return, you will obviously get a bigger deal.
0: Okay, excellent. So you got to use terms like a uh, team of experts. Uh, I, team I- of. Yeah. Team of experts.
1: And, uh, well, I think another language that's extremely important is find the business metrics. Find the numbers. It, when, uh, and I would tell all my clients is that you have to use a number in, in all communications. I mean, I'm not talking about every single sentence, but... Majority of your communication, you have to find a way to use number to express it. Because the moment you use number, for example, you know, um, I'm a social media manager and I can help uh, people increase the engagement of their fans. That is very vague. But if you could use number to quantify it, automatically, you first of all, you give people a very clear vision of how uh, how. Uh, the result you can achieve, and in return you build that credibility and authority. So, whenever communicating with big clients, I would focus on number, and it will also fo- force you to decide on what metrics you're going to use. Am I going to be talking about increasing the sales, or am I going to talk about lowering your cost, or am I going to talk about um, uh, um, uh, increase the business efficiency? So use a, try to find a business metrics that works with the company, and use a lot of numbers during the present, prep, uh, presentation, because using numbers is extremely powerful, especially when you try to sell to big clients.
0: Okay, so let's, let's say we get to this point where um, we found out information about this person, we've connected with them, they're interested, and then they message you back, they say, uh, send over an RFP. So in case you don't know, that's request for proposal, or, or they send an RFP. I mean. And, um, let's say you send them something and what happens next? You know, what if they just disappear? Uh, how how do you deal with that? How do you uh, increase that lead to conversion ratio? How long does it take to follow up? Um, how long does it take for you to make these deals? Yes. Uh,
1: yeah, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I actually just read, uh, just wrote a blog post about it. You know, what happens when your clients do not call, uh, call you back? Um, I would suggest that, uh, when, when we sell to big clients, And I mentioned it before about 2-5 formula, is that in reality, you need at least about five contacts before you can really close or even build any meaningful sales relationship. So a lot of people, when they said, oh, they made the first introduction, and uh, maybe if they're lucky, they get some kind of proposal or possibility for a business meeting. And people usually get really excited about it, and they forget what to do afterwards. But if you in sales, people will only uh, buy from you if they know what you do, if they trust what you're doing. So um, I would I would recommend people, whenever they're trying to come, uh, contact the client, you have to establish five contacts and uh, you have to plan for it. Be prepared that the client will not call you back because it is only natural for your clients not to call you back whenever you... Then one email because they're going to be busy. They have a lot of priorities, uh, a lot of things happening. So, um, whenever a client, uh, if you, I don't hear from the client, I would only, I would just say, you know, um, just send a quick email, but then I would try to find another topic that would pick their interest. And not just talking about, oh, I'm just following up and see how things are doing. No, I would just say, I just want to let you know that this is also other thing that will interest you. And uh, I would be happy to continue our, uh, our conversation about this project. So always find you have to be prepared for five different topics that might interest your uh, client. And all these to- topics goes back to the, the value proposition and corresponds to the value proposition you have.
0: Okay, that's great. So it's really weak to say, oh, I'm just following up, you know, can we, did you look at my proposal? Um, would you like to move forward? That's, that's a really weak follow up. That's really kind of selling from your heels, right? You need to uh, kind of be more proactive and then kind of entice them again, you know, kind of like, like you said, it's like dating, it's, it's like reattracting them to you. I guess
1: it's not, yes, exactly. I mean, uh, there's one, uh, people once mentioned to me that selling is like uh, being chased after shark. If you're not moving forward, then you're dead. So, every single email you're sending, you should not just say, Oh, I'm just following up and see how things are going. Instead, why not say that, uh, for example, uh, hi, Mr. Mr. John. I have noticed that your competitor has been able to achieve a great result with um, whatever metric they're talking about. And why don't you, uh, I would love to show you how your competitor has been able to achieve this and also talk about the proposal or the proposed solution we talked about. And... Always use every single communication to continue to reinforce your value and your, your expertise. And don't treat it just like just following up. Because just following up for the client, you're just not providing enough value to them.
0: Excellent. I love that metaphor you just used. It's like being chased by a shark. If you stay still, you're dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, I use the metaphor, um, you know, Jordan Belfort, the wolf of Wall Street, right? And I'm sure you're familiar with him by now. Yes, Uh, since he's had a movie come out. But he he has a sales training program where he talks about the straight line. And um, he's like, you need to keep the prospect on that straight line moving toward the close. And at any point, if it if it gets off that line, if it starts to drift this way or drift that way, then it gets out of bounds and you've lost the sale.
1: Yes, I mean, uh, I think sales is a very, especially when you're trying to sell to a big client, you really have to treat it as a process. And every single step of this process uh, should be carefully, carefully crafted so that you continue to reinforce your value, to tell them your value and your expertise until the moment they're uh, ready to sign and commit.
0: Great stuff. So maybe you could give me an idea of um, what are some of the size of the contracts that you work with? Just so you can give us an idea of what's what's possible.
1: OK, uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't want to sell. Uh, uh, but I, I actually uh, the funny thing, I uh, if you want to chase after big. It really depends on the industries and uh, and uh, your business size, but what I would say is that if you're going after one big client or uh, a few number of big clients it takes a lot of time and preparation and uh, and uh thoughts into it so you should not really target a client if the client is not able to give you i mean this it really depends on industries and the business size but minimum minimum of uh, fifty thousand or even over that and uh you know to be able to invest in it so you should really focus on if you want to focus on big clients make sure that that would be the size you would target Excellent. But it, it really depends. It varies according, you know, depending on the business size you're in, the uh, the profit and uh, the profit you take, and uh, and the industry.
0: Yeah, I mean, I had um, in my former business with my agency. I mean, we'd have contracts from maybe twelve grand to maybe twenty five yearly, I guess. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which for me, I thought was was big. I mean, I was able to find uh, a lot of freedom just from those contracts. Yeah, uh, but fifty thousand. I mean, that's that's the next league.
1: Yeah, and that's you know. the amazing thing about it about big clients is that yeah, it takes it takes a little bit of time, but as long as you're focused and you know the process and you know what to do one step at a time, that you have the opportunity to work with one or two small clients, and some of the clients I have, I've had them for ten, fifteen years, and so once you establish a good relationship with big clients, you have the opportunity to work with these people for a long period of time and uh, they won't be able to support the lifestyle you want. And that is the amazing thing about uh, selling to big clients instead of constantly spending money on advertising and marketing and chasing after small clients.
0: Yeah, that's when you start losing your hair because you've been pulling it all out.
1: Yes, exactly. Yes.
0: But if you can just become indispensable to uh, one client and build a really great relationship, it doesn't even have to be a huge client. I mean, you can do what I did, too, where you work with a company with maybe like 25 employees. Exactly. Um, They they need someone to manage their marketing budget. That's what I did. So Mm -hmm. um, then, you know, you can can keep that relationship going for three, four, five years, and Mm -hmm. uh, you'll never go hungry.
1: Exactly. And then, I mean, that's an amazing thing, right? I'm sure you feel the same way is that you build a great relationship with this company. So you're not, you're not constantly trying to try to get to know a new client and try to figure out their business and try to spend time to start up that relationship. And you can focus a lot more time on doing what's most productive and continue to work for it with a few clients. And uh, I think it's, uh, it's an opportunity people often overlook. And people tend to focus a lot on smaller clients and focus a lot on marketing rather than just building a relationship with, uh, with you know, by selling to big clients. And, and it, it's actually very easy to do as long as you know the, the step-by-step process.
0: Okay, so just to wrap up here, um, what would you say, two questions, what would you say is the biggest thing that um, holds most people back that you work with and... I mean, I know you work with a lot of women entrepreneurs. Yes. Uh, and then what, what would you say, what's your best piece of advice for uh, someone if they want to, I guess, double their rates or start earning more money, start selling uh, higher ticket goods or services?
1: Mm-hmm. Um, I think the first thing uh, that I see with women when selling to big clients is that, uh, or any people, I think, is that you have to be patient when you sell to big clients and uh, do not be discouraged by the first meeting. And that's why I continue to stress that when you have a contact, when you want to set up contact with big clients, it's, you know, the 2-5 formula. Set up two soft contacts and then prepare for five uh, different contacts afterwards. It's that, you know, don't be discouraged by just one failed uh, email or you send out email and you never get a reply back. And do not get discouraged because you do not know the, what happens behind with these big clients. People are constantly busy. And following up is the most important thing when you're trying to sell to people because you're showing them that you're persistent and uh, you want to get their business. So not giving up is probably one of the most important things. And uh, yeah, for anybody who would like to increase their ticket, is that I, what I would recommend is uh start selling to people using these uh price points you know if find find a couple of big clients and sell to these people and just be brave be confident and sell to these people with these tickets and see what they say and uh and see the response to it you can always you will always have the opportunity to lower your price if you really feel that it's too expensive, but I think you should just take it just uh just be cur- uh, be brave and uh, use uh, use the the new price point and sell to people, and you would be very surprised in terms of what people say.
0: Excellent, I love it. Well, thank you so much, Melinda. I'm inspired. I'm going to uh, increase the rate of my services and uh, <laughs> find some some new clients here by uh, applying a lot of things that you, you taught us in this interview. Uh, yeah. What else would you recommend to people if they want to study this further uh,
1: What I would really strongly recommend is uh, the webinar I will be hosting, and uh, we will talk about three very simple strategies to sell into big clients and these will be the strategies I will be using a lot of case studies and uh, and uh, screenshots to talk about how I would be able to Get in front of them and establish six degrees of separations with these big clients and also how to get their attentions and how to present yourself as a big player. So I would really recommend them to check out that webinar and to really get a, you know see if these are the strategies that would be applicable to their business.
0: And your website is womenmakingbigsales.com?
1: Yes. Uh, the webinar information will be on there. And my website is w- womenmakingbigsales.com. And the, the Facebook is also, uh, you should be able to find me at uh, womenmakingbigsales.
0: Okay. And you have a bunch of uh, great free content on your blog as well. I'm just checking yes. that out. Awesome. I'm going to enjoy uh, digging through this.
1: Yeah, I mean, shoot me. feel free to shoot me any emails. I would love to, uh, I, I I get really passionate when it comes to sales. So feel free to shoot me emails. I've had tons of people who shoot me emails and said, you know, I'm about to have this huge meeting with this big client, what to do. So I'd love to hear from you guys and, uh, and talk more about sales.
0: Thank you so much, Melinda. I'm just looking over your articles here and you're just so uh, candid and open and I, I really appreciate that. I mean, you, you talk about things that... Uh, when your prospect says, oh, you're too expensive, you know, how you deal with these e- situations and a lot of the frustrations that we encounter. So uh, really appreciate the work that you're doing and uh, thank you so much.
1: Yeah, pleasure. And um, yeah. I uh, really thank you for the opportunity to, uh, to talk to me.